Well, good morning. How are you today? So while they're leaving, I want to um, just plug real quick. Um, need you to be in prayer today. Um, one for the Cowboys. And two against whoever the Eagles and Niners are playing. Because I would love us to be the number one seed. So I know like 80 of y'all care about that. But yes, thank you. The Richardsons are on board. All right. So um, I want to show you something pretty cool to start. I, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so this, okay, you ready? Pretty sharp knife, right? Now, what's really cool is I made this knife. Yeah. Well, okay, I say I made this knife. I made this knife with my father-in-law. So it consisted of me standing around watching my father-in-law make this knife. No, 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 here, but here's what we started with. And I, I did really help. Um, here's what we started with. This one piece of metal that we heated up to over 1,500 degrees, and then we began forging a knife, basically hitting it with a large hammer. And um, to get to this final product took a while. It, it took quite a bit of work and strength and tools and all kinds of things to get there. And in this process of forging a knife, you heat it up to like 1,500 degrees and you just pound and pound and pound to lengthen it out and lengthen it out, and then you start really with the hammer forming it. And then you get to a point where it's the, the length that it needs to be and the, the width that it needs to be, and then you start kind of shaping it. And, and we use some power tools so it's not like real-life knife forging. I know that probably some of you are purists, and like, but here, here's a part where I was not taking pictures of my father-in-law, and I was actually doing some work. Just so you know, just so you know, I had a little bit to do with it. But what I found really interesting in this process is it took some, some elbow grease, and it took some strength, and it took some time to form this into what it would become. And I think a lot of times we think that's what life does to us, right? It is these things that we experience, things that happen to us, really form and shape who we become. But I wonder if that was really what was supposed to happen. If it was really these events and things that would happen to us in life and losses and difficulties that really forms us into the people that we are becoming. And I wonder if there's something else bigger that is supposed to be forming us into the people we become. And over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some rhythms these rhythms that we need to have in our life that really form and shape, because it's not supposed to be life that forms us to what we become. Right? Sacred rhythms, sacred rhythms form us for life and our experiences. The, these rhythms that we're going to talk about of being in the Word and of prayer, of gathering together as the people of God, these 
form us in order to prepare us for the things that we will experience. It's not that we experience them and they shape who we are. It's that the Word of God and this relationship with God and these rhythms of regularly being in the presence of God form us in preparation for the things that we will walk through, the things that we will go through in life. Because for so long, I'll just tell you, when we started last week as a church reading through the Bible together, we'll talk about that again a little bit later, reading through the Bible in a year together. And for me, I always had this kind of perception that I was supposed to do those things, that I was supposed to read and be in God's Word, and I was supposed to pray, not just simply to form, not, not some deeper reason, but I was supposed to do that so that God would be pleased with me, so that God would love me. And I think I had this perception growing up like when I would miss times and I would go a, a day or two or maybe a week without actually opening my Bible or actually praying, I would start to feel really guilty and wonder, does God still even love me? Does God even care? But the problem was the perception. Right? The, the perception of why we need to have those disciplines in our life. Because it's these sacred rhythms that form us for life and our experiences. That we're transformed. Paul says it this way in Romans 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then in verse 2 he says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, right? The, the world tries to form you. It tries to shape you in a different direction. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Be transformed not by all the things that are happening around us, all the things that are trying to shape us, but be transformed as our minds are renewed, as our thought processes are renewed, as it's changed and shaped more in the image of Christ. That these rhythms play a powerful role in that transformation. See, and the, the problem in our world is our world is so much just surface level everything. Everything in our world is so superficial. It, it's so much for what you see. One of my favorite books and spiritual disciplines is a book called Celebration of Disciplines by Richard Foster. And his very first sentence in this book, or a couple sentences in this book, superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant, self, or of instant satisfaction is the primary spiritual problem. The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. 
people who have been shaped and formed more into the image of Christ. And so in this series, what we want to talk about is rhythms that we need to have in place in our life, these disciplines that help shape and form. And you, you think, okay, so, so what, what is a rhythm? What is a rhythm? Here's what Webster's, here's how Webster's defines it. Rhythm, a skill or trait that Gary Auburn does not possess. <laughs> that, that is word for word out of the dictionary, okay? Amen. Here's, here's the real definition of rhythm. And that one's true too, but a strong, regular repeated pattern of movement or sound. A strong, regular, repeated pattern of rhythm or sound. And, and here's my, my assumption. If you, if you will develop these sacred rhythms, these rhythms that have been around for centuries, it will grow a deep person. It will form a deeper person. So that when we find ourselves in these moments of challenge, these moments that push us, these moments that test us, we have been formed and shaped so that we are prepared for them. Because there is this hunger and this longing within us to know God. I love the Psalms. I love the Psalms. And David so many times, Oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My body longs for You. My soul thirsts for You is in a dry and weary land where there is no water. This, this longing. Or, or David again, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. My, my soul thirsts for the living God. Or again, David, um, one thing, one thing that I ask, that I could dwell in the temple of God and see the glory of God. And, and you get this sense from the psalmist, like there is this deep, deep longing within them. Th this thirsting for something more. Because let's face it, as we go about our days, there's probably some level of dissatisfaction with the things we encounter. And there are so many things that I think we put our hope in. Things that we believe will fulfill us. And we believe that will make us happy. That constantly leaving, leave us thirsting for more. Looking for something else. Looking for something bigger. I wonder... What is the deepest longing of your soul? What, what is the thing that your soul thirsts for? 
that it wants, that it needs. And, and I know probably a lot of you would say, okay, it's, it's to be one with God. But I think there's another side to that too. It's not just live in shalom or peace with God, but it's also to live in peace with one another. Like that is what God has created us for. But I will tell you, it is something you have to be formed for. Because just natural, peaceful harmony with other people is not something that comes easy to us. It's not something you just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to go love my enemies. I'm going to go love those people who annoy me. But it is something that we must be formed for. And it's these rhythms, these sacred rhythms, these strong, regular, repeated patterns that form us in preparation for the things that we will experience, the things that we will go through. And that's Jesus' invitation. Right? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle. And when you do that, he says, you're going to find rest for your souls. And I'm guessing if you've been around church, you've heard that invitation often. You've heard those words of Jesus but this last week I heard from a different perspective. I heard those words from Eugene Peterson in the message. And I want you to listen to how he phrases this. Matthew 11. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. And you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. And he says this, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. And then the next, I love this phrase. Next slide. There we go. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What does it look like to walk with and be one with God so that He's transforming and changing who we are so that as we experience life, we have been formed and prepared in these rhythms of grace. So this rhythm of long living in the Word, of dwelling in the presence of God. I was thinking this last week, um, back when I first got here, there, Travis Hunt would come in my office. A lot of times on Tuesdays, I kind of lock myself away and just study all day and Travis would come by and see how I was doing. And I remember when I first got here, it was just like, oh man, I was studying today and da 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 And I was just so excited. And I think Travis 
would probably go home to you, Betty, and just be like, I don't know what he was talking about. <laughs> but it was one of those things, like, I, I felt like I encountered the presence of God, and I was so excited. I was so hungry for that, so longing for it. And I think one of the things I've noticed, the longer I've done this, that it becomes more normal. It's like, oh yeah, I've already, I've preached on that passage before. I know that. Instead of saying, this is an opportunity to encounter God and to be with Him. And this continual search we have for satisfaction, this continual, and, and maybe what we need more than anything is right in front of us, is right there. This rhythm, these sacred rhythms, as they transform and change who we are. I want you to listen to how Peter describes this in 1 Peter. He says, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other. Like, this is supposed to transform us so that we love each other more deeply, right? Sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. Grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice. It goes back to our relationship with one another. Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good that it would transform and shape who we are. And and you think, okay, what are the reasons for the Word? Like, if it's not so that God will love me because I read, or so that God will be pleased with me, how is it changing and transforming and shaping us? Now, I think there's four ways. Um, There's probably a lot more than that, but I wanted to kind of try to really simplify it. One is to know God, right? right? Through the Word, we know and encounter God. Next is to hear from God. That's one of the primary ways that God speaks to us is through His Word. Third, it transforms us. It's changing us. It's the enduring Word that's changed us from this perishable seed to an imperishable. It's changing and transforming and shaping who we are. And then fourth, it reorients us. Like So often our bearings are off. Like, like one time when I stood up here and said, you know, let's, let's go south or let's go north. And everyone after the sermon thought it was so funny. And then Brad Egan put a compass on stage and duct tape for me. But it reorients us. Because like at, at times we kind of forget where we are. I, I love this time of the year as, as the calendar turns over. Not that you need to do resolutions or anything like that, but just that it makes us for a second pause and say, where am I? Where am I? Because these rhythms that help us to know God, they help us to hear from God, to to form and transform us, to reorient us, those rhythms are what prepare us for the things that we will experience and the things that we will face. 
And if you're honest, it's something you're incapable of doing on your own. That's how we want to deal with sin. We we want to deal with sin by making a decision that we're going to have more resolve, we're going to have more willpower, we're going to do something about it, and we're going to change it. But the way Paul talks about it is not these micro-individual decisions, but it's this condition of all of us as humans. A condition that we're plagued with that we can't transform and change our own. And like I said, I think one of the primary ways that we're changed and transformed is through the Word. And and I I realized something this last week. Just to to let you know, I'm an audible learner. I learn a lot more from hearing. And so when I do Bible reading, I would much rather listen and read along because I, I get it. And I noticed something this last week as I was reading. I had the speed on my Bible reading turned up to one and a half times. And it was one of those things that's just become repetitive that I was doing just to check a box. And so I slowed it down to one. And it annoyed me because he reads so slow. But the problem wasn't necessarily a speed. The problem was the intent behind the speed. It was to get through it. It was, it was to move through it really fast. We, we in our, our house, um, we got a new washer and dryer a couple years ago, and it has this amazing feature. If, if hypothetically you have a 14-year-old son who's in athletics and is responsible to wash, hypothetically, wash his athletic clothes every night and have them ready for school the next day. Like hypothetically, if you had this situation, um, there's a setting on our washing machine that does express wash. And it knocks out, hypothetically, if your son forgot to do his, his laundry, like hypothetically, he could just put it in the washing machine and it'd be done in 27 minutes. Awesome. But here's the thing. It doesn't always smell that great after 27 minutes. We have another setting on our washing machine, though, where you can turn it to the hottest water you could possibly imagine, and it has a setting for soak, where it just sits there in this hot, hot, soapy water, and it soaks. And I find that that setting does the best job of getting all the nasty smell out because it sits and soaks. And I think that's how it's supposed to be as we sit with the Word. That it's not one of these things that we just do to do. But it's one of those things that we do and we sit with it and we soak in it. And as we soak in it, it changes and transforms who we are. And and as we move through this series, I thought it would be really helpful as we have opportunity to practice some of these these rhythms. And I wanted to practice this rhythm of sitting with the Word 
in communion this morning. As we prepare to take communion, and so um, around you there are the little cups, um, but the way we want to do this this morning is um, Doug is going to read a passage, um, and I just want you to sit with it as he reads it and listen to the words. And then he's going to pray, and we're going to take the bread, and he's going to read another passage, and we're going to take the cup, and he's going to read another passage after we've taken the cup. And I would just invite you just to take just a moment before he starts reading, just to be still and to quiet your mind and to still your spirit and your soul and hear the Word of God.